Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in the series series that we started last week that we called Take Your Stand. And uh, I introduced this last week as a sort of sub-series from the 13 weeks we just completed on the Ministry of Encouragement. Because this is ultimately going to be a part of uh, what we do in the ministry of encouragement. And, and what we sort of came to the conclusion was, based on the verses that we're using as a foundation for this message, which is Ephesians 6, 12 through 18, that God wants us to take a stand. And that um, we talked about last week the, this, this anti-encouragement that the enemy is using. Uh, and that people have actually gotten to a place where they, they can't even begin to hear good news. They're so uh, focused on bad news that good news doesn't even find a place. And I, I mentioned a couple of news stories last week about uh, that was really good news. Most of you probably remember the oil-eating microbe that, that this appeared and, and eats oil in, in 1.2 days, and they go out to find these spills, and they're gone, and all they find is the microbe. And that this was a new microbe, but they'd never seen it before, and that it, it also doesn't deplete the oxygen in the water, which is what the old microbe did. And so this one eats oil faster and doesn't mess up the environment. And it actually landed on the news clip that I saw, that I read, for about 15 minutes, and then it was gone. And that's what stopped me in preparation for this series. That's really good news. That is so cool that this microbe points up. So the scientists called it natural selection, and I'm, I'm sorry, that's supernatural selection. That an oil-eating microbe pops up right when you need it, that they've never seen before, that eats oil in 1.2 days, and doesn't mess with the oxygen in the water. That's, you, it's very hard to dismiss that. I don't know how people do. Because this is, this is the response. What a coincidence. Really? And so, and then it went right from there, this, this little bleep, and all that was on the news last week was double-dip recession because they want you to be afraid and discouraged. And so we have our work cut out for us because we have good news. We, we have the best news that there is. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that uh, if people don't think there's good news, they're not receptive. And so we, we need to break into that uh, whole sort of cultural thing, and we believe we're doing that with the simple ministry that God has given us of encouragement of being thankful for five things and encouraging two people. I know it seems simple. A little bit of faith, thankful for five things, encourage two. God will take it and do amazing things. we just got to let him have it. So, uh, we, we in, in that whole process, I really felt like the Lord was saying, okay, it's time to take a stand. It, uh, will you take a stand and, and move into this because the world is desperate for encouragement and for the best news that there is. And so I said we were going to work through, in the introduction last week, Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. I encourage you to start memorizing those verses. And uh, I'll get to the first one in a minute. If you've memorized it, good. If not, you can read along with me. But, but we are supposed to start working on it. And we're going to learn all of Ephesians 6, 12 through 18, one verse a week, to try and do the whole thing, just like we did the Hebrews verses. And, and so we'll work on that. And that we're going to be talking about taking a stand. And that in this first... Message, I'm, I'm going to be talking about standing up to evil. Standing up to evil. Now, I believe that the evil one uses a very clever trick to promote evil. And the trick is distraction. 
And what he wants to do is distract people from the truth. And whenever he does, evil flourishes because he distracts people from the truth. And how does he do it? Primarily by keeping people more fixed and focused on the natural than the supernatural, on the physical more than the spiritual, or maybe easier explained as more on the things of men than on the things of God. And, and that's his biggest distraction. He gets us off of what really matters and focused on the, what really doesn't matter nearly as much, but which quickly seems to matter more, which is the things that we are all around us. And so the verse that we, we are learning this week sort of clarifies this because it says this in Ephesians 6.12, and if you've been memorizing, you can, you can say it along with me, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You should have been working on learning that. But that verse is very clear. Let me go ahead and read verse 13 to you. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. That's what we're going to talk about today. And, and so, our memory verse quickly points out that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And, and to me, that means it's, it's not against this... It's not the struggle that we think it is. Because we tend to get focused on... The natural, rather than the supernatural, we get focused on the things of men rather than the things of God. And, and so, the enemy's trick that we talked about last week, anti-encouragement, actually just pounds on this idea of being distracted. Which again is why the ministry of encouragement is so important, in particular in taking your stand. And so the starting point then for standing up to evil is the answer to the following question. This is the starting point for standing up to evil in all of our lives. Here's the big question. It's the first thing in your bulletin there. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Now, in, in thinking about this, I remembered, and I shared some of this on Wednesday night, because I was all... All excited about thinking about it. Um, but I remember, believe it or not, back in the 10th grade, a long time ago. And uh, I was in school and we did have electricity, so uh, it was a good thing. I was in the 10th grade, and I, because it was a long time ago. He's looking at me. And I had this English literature teacher in the 10th grade. I can't remember her name, but, but I do remember her. And before a test... This is why I remember it. Before we had a test, she would stand up, the day before, she would stand up in front of the class with the test in her hand. And she would read it to us. Question and answer. And not only were we allowed to take notes, we were encouraged to do so. And she read it very slowly. You could easily write down every question and every answer on the test tomorrow. And you would take that home. And you had all night to study it for the test tomorrow. Now, um, here's what fascinated me. Those were the easiest tests I've ever taken in my life. Questions and answers. There they are. Every single one of them. I would be shocked in the classroom because 
a large percentage of the kids in that classroom would either fail that test or do very poorly on it. And I used to look at them, and at the time I just thought they were really, really stupid. And looking back on it, it's not that they were stupid. That wasn't the issue. They were distracted. It just wasn't that important to them. They were, they were far more consumed by the, the sort of immediate things that they, they thought were important, not the big picture at all. They were consumed, you know, by themselves, their love lives, their, their partying, uh, whatever it might be. Certainly it wasn't school in the process. And, and let me tell you, I wasn't a big fan of school either, but I wasn't going to skip out on guaranteed hundred tests. You know what I mean? for just writing them down and going home and memorizing the answers to... And she went in the same order. I mean, there was no tricks. So, this question that I just asked you, who do you say that Jesus is, is the most important question that you will ever answer in your life. And, and the answer to that question is given to us by Peter as it was revealed to him directly by God. And it's in Matthew 16, 13 through 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my, by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, on earth will be loosed in heaven. The answer to the most important question that you will ever be asked in your life who is Jesus, is written there for you. And the answer is, Jesus is the Christ, which means Messiah, or anointed one, the Son of the living God. That's the answer to the question. That's the answer. Now, what the enemy would like to do is distract you from that answer by throwing in lots of other stuff. Well, yeah, but what about these people? What about this thing? What about that? What about this? What about what kind of God is this? Uh, we looked in Luke 13 Wednesday, and the people were around Jesus who's telling them, you've got to choose uh, what you're going to do. And they're saying, yeah, but how about those people that died in that accident? And what about that? What kind of God, you know, what are you talking about? And it's all distraction. It's all distraction. There's a question. Who do you say Jesus is? There's an answer given by God that's the correct answer. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's what matters. That's the big question of life. And that's the answer given to you and for you by God. And what you do with that and how you choose to answer that question, you see, God won't make you answer it like that. You can answer it however you want. But how you answer that question will impact not only how you live now, but how you live forever. How you feel about that answer, how you accept that answer, how you deal with that answer impacts your life forever. Certainly now. And then on in to the age to come. And he goes on and he explains in this that this rock... Now, there's been a lot of discussion about what that means. Was he talking about Peter? Was he talking about this revelation? Was he talking about Jesus himself as the foundation? And, and there, there's probably room for all of that. But, but I, I'm, I feel like this rock, this knowing the answer to that question determines 
how you live. It's the foundation of a life in Christ, and it ultimately allows us to stand up to evil. Once you get a hold of that answer and you live by it, it will allow you to stand up to evil. And Jesus says, because the gates of Hades can't overcome it. And so it positions us to stand up to evil and particularly quit being distracted. See, and that's the second point. Don't get distracted. If it were just that easy. If everything were just as easy as me telling you don't do that, wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Don't sin. Okay. (laughs) Let's move along. Don't get distracted. Now, here's what's cool. It's not cool, but it's just fascinating how it's all written down for us. Look how easy it is to get distracted. In the very next conversation, in the very same chapter of the Bible, Peter still, uh, Jesus still talking to his disciples. Listen to what happens to Peter, because he gets distracted. Verses 21 through 26. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turns and says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whatever whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What was the distraction that the enemy used to get Peter? He got focused on the things of men rather than things of God. Jesus goes on and says, if you get focused on the things of men, you're going to lose life. And will it be worth it? What if you gained everything that this life had to offer short of Christ, but missed the main thing and forfeit your soul in the process? See, that's the reason why staying focused is so important. And, and standing up to evil keeps us from being distracted from the truth. Now, how does the enemy distract us? And, and the evil one uses the same tricks to distract you that he did with Peter. He also used them with Adam. And he also used them with Jesus. They didn't work on Jesus. They worked on Peter and they worked on Adam. And they work on us. But they don't have to. Because they didn't work on Jesus, see? And he cleared the way. And, and he uses the same tricks all the time to distract us. And, and they're listed for us in the book. First John two sixteen and 17. This is out of the King James. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. It's, it's another way of talking about what I just talked about. If you get focused on the things of men, you get distracted. But when you get focused on the things of God, that's where we find real life and life that lasts forever. And there's three things in that verse that, that you need to be aware of. Because this is how you'll get distracted. This is how it comes each and every time. This is how the enemy always does it. You'd think he'd change tactics, but you know what? These work just fine. Except on Jesus. So he's kept him in play. And what are the three things that he does? The first is called the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. With Adam and Eve, the fruit was good for food. And 
and it pulled on them that way. With Jesus, if you remember, the enemy said to him, turn these stones into bread. Because he'd been fasting for 40 days, but Jesus didn't. To us, if it feels good, do it. Pervades our culture. If it feels good, do it. If I don't feel good, well, I'm going to do something to make me feel good. Because it's all about how I feel. That's all that really matters. It's the most important thing. And off we go. We get distracted. Because we don't, can't stay focused. It's the lust of the flesh. The second thing is the lust of the eyes. And this is a big one. And, and with Adam and Eve, the fruit was beautiful to look at. With Jesus, the enemy took him to All this I will give you. To us, you need it, you deserve it, and you will not feel complete without it. That's every advertising pitch there's ever been. It's the lust of the eyes. And you look, ooh, got to have that. You know that feeling? I remember another old story. I don't know why I had old stories this week, but I got old stories. The year was 1972, my friends. <laughs> I was 12 years old. And they came out with a system that would hook to your TV called Pong. Uh, the, the younger ones are like, what? Pong. Pong was $200. I'd played Pong on the video games for a quarter, and I thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. I had to have Pong. Uh, 1972, $200 is a lot of money for a 12-year-old. It took me months to make $200, but I did it. I babysat. You know when I used to babysit, I'd get a buck and a half an hour. <laughs> yeah. It was, and I, would, I did odd jobs. I, cut, I did everything I could think of, and it took me months, and I saved $200. And I got $200 together, and I went down, and I bought the Pong. Oh, Pong, you know. And I got it home, and I hooked it up to the TV, and I started playing Pong. And I play it for about 30 minutes. And this realization hits me really hard for a 12-year-old. This was the most boring game that I ever played in my life. 30 minutes was all I could go, boop, boop. See, Pong, if you don't know what Pong is, it's kind of, it's like hockey, except that there's no players. There's a sort of pretend goal on either end, and you have a round knob that moves this lever that hits this little puck. And it bounces and it just keeps coming around like this and you just keep hitting it and if you miss it they score against you and and it's really not that fun <laughs> and I, I remember thinking and it, it had just been played on me that I had to have this palm and and how quickly I was and you know in life I find that still holds true somebody think I gotta have that gotta have that gotta have that <sighs> And so I, I, I usually take quite a while to get stuff now. Because I think, yeah, how am I going to feel about that once I get it? Because I don't want that experience again. But it's the, it's the lust of the eyes that gets us in trouble all the time. And it distracts us from the truth. And that's the thing that we have to watch in life. The third one is the pride of life. And this is the one that I'm, I'm convinced that the, the enemy actually distracted Peter with. Because imagine Peter now. He just had this huge revelation from God about who Jesus is. And, and so he's feeling pretty good. Remember, the whole time, the disciples are arguing with each other about who's the greatest. And, and Peter's just taking a giant leap as far as he's concerned and how that looks. God showed me the answer. I got it right. 
I got the truth, man. I got it figured out. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly all that. And so here's, now Jesus is talking some stuff I don't really care about, so I need to pull him aside and give him a little counsel. Can you imagine? We get just like that, though. We're always trying to tell God what to do. Well, some great revelation, and then the next thing we get a little proud, and we start trying to tell God what to do. And, and that's what happened to Peter. And he went from this, divi- this amazing revelation from God to get behind me, Satan. That's my microphone. I don't know why. It should pass. I don't want to hit myself in the head. That's Doug's advice. Hit yourself in the head. It's the same thing. The ear is attached to the head. Okay. So, the pride of life. Adam and Eve, you'll be like God. Take this, eat this, you'll be like God. With Jesus, if you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down. God's angels will catch you. And with us, culturally, you know what gets us in trouble? The pride of life. I did it my way. I did it my way. And we just get in trouble every time and we get distracted. And that's the problem. So how do we take our stand against evil? The, the second part of the very first verse that I read you in Ephesians 6, 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you can stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand... Stand. Let me summarize it this way. Here's what we need to do to stand up to evil. You need to know the answer to the big question. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the answer. Don't get distracted. That's the second point. Get the answer. Live the answer. Don't get distracted. Live it out by doing the next right thing. We talk about that. You do the next right thing. How do you live this life? Do the next right thing. Well, what happens if I don't do the next right thing? You go to God and ask for forgiveness and ask Him to empower you by the Spirit to do the next right thing and you start all over again. And when you mess up, which you will, which I will, I go back to God. God, I blew it again. Will you forgive me? Yes. Now go. Do the next right thing. And get involved. And... and Perhaps the best way is to stop being distracted is to realize that there's a bigger picture. That there's something more important than just what we get wrapped up in every day. That's why we've introduced you to the Ministry of Encouragement. And that's why we say, get involved and do it every day. What's that last verse that I have up there? Because I don't have a copy of the bullet in front of me. But I know there's another verse in there. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceit. See, encourage one another daily. Do you see why this is so important? So that you don't get trapped in the things of men, but realize how they're dragging you down. You keep your heart soft for God. So this is how we stand up to evil. Guys, know the answer to the question. Don't get distracted, because that's what the enemy wants to do, is distract you. But keep focused. The tricks. Recognize the tricks when they come. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's always one of those three that gets you in trouble. And then just take your stand. Remember what's important. Get your focus on Jesus. Follow after him. Get involved by doing something. And that's why the ministry of encouragement is so important. Get your focus right. We get focused on God. And then we do the things that he calls us to. That helps us to stand up against 
and up to evil. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let me pray for you. If you're watching my video tonight, um, God bless you. And if you're up in Williston, God bless you guys. I'll pray for you up there. We're going to pray as a group here before we close. And so, bye to you guys by video. And for those of you here, let's pray. Father, thank you.